Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Welcome to this time of worship. To those who are listening on the podcast, welcome to this time of worship, wherever you may be. Uh, As you can see, Jason is not here today. He is on vacation for a couple of weeks. We haven't heard a thing from him, which is probably a good sign. Uh, He's not communicating with us. So uh, as far as announcements, I just wanted to give a plug for VBS that starts July 11th, which is not very far away, like two weeks. So if you can pass the word about it or anything to help bring the children in, that's a good thing. And We have the friendship pads in the pews, if you would fill those out, please, so we can keep track of your attendance. If anyone is visiting, leave us your contact information. So now, let's take time, quiet our hearts and our minds, and prepare to go into worship. I've chosen a passage from Isaiah today. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away and you comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the nations, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praise to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy, O royal Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Pray with me. We bow before you and sing your praises, O God, for we know you stoop to hear both our pleas and our praise. Your greatness reaches every moment of every day. Through the nights you care for us. As we arise, you empower us to serve you in all we do. We enter now the gates of your temple in grateful adoration. We humbly worship you in thought, word, and deed this day. Help us to hear your word and obey it, that we may become instruments of your saving love through Jesus Christ. Be pleased with our worship as we honor your name. Amen. Now I invite you to stand and sing one of those wonderful old hymns, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms.
Keep those words in your mind because we'll be looking at some of that later. Uh, If the youth and any children would come forward, have a message for you. Okay, I am going to read a little passage to you from Genesis, the very first book in the Bible and the very first chapter. So God is in the midst of creation. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. Who was that man at creation in the Garden of Eden? First man, I hear it out there, Adam. It was Adam, and that was one of the first tasks God gave him to do, was to name all the animals and creatures. And so, and I think he probably must have looked at them and what some of their characteristics were, and then gave them names. Now, you all have names. What's your name? And you know, before your parents gave you those names, they probably thought long and hard on what you might look like, what kind of a person you might be, what name would work for you, what characteristics maybe that name held. And then they chose your name. And they gave you that name. And anytime they want to talk to you now, they use that name. They call you by name. So, God has names for you too. In addition to your names, God says, I have called you by name. You are mine. You are my beloved. But then I'm thinking, so how do we talk to God? What do we call God other than than God? I'm sure your families have nicknames and other things that they call you. Uh, A lot of times I call grandchildren just love or sweetie or something like that, and you probably have all those things in your home. But what I want to do today is kind of look at some of the titles, names, characteristics we give to God. And... We're going to go through the alphabet, and we're going to think of a word for each letter. And congregation is invited, please help, and, and jump in and just shout out. Uh, and I'm going to do the first couple just to get you started. I have a letter A. Amazing. Amazing works beautifully. B. Blessed. Okay, you got the idea? All right, here we go. Let's see what you can come up with. See? Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, D is in there. D. What? 
Now, these are characteristics for God. That's God backwards, but... (laughs) Divine. Good. E. Excellent. Yes. Everlasting. Perfect. F. Faithful forever. These are good. Shout these out, guys. G. Grace. Beautiful. H. Heavenly. Holy. I. In imaginative, invisible, indescribable, wonderful. It's funny we use a word like indescribable when we're trying to describe somebody, but J. Jesus, just joy. Joy is a word that's going to be heard later too. K. King. L. Loving, perfect. I'm not hearing a lot from up in front here. M. Yep. N. Perfect. Very good. O. Omnificent. Yes, yes. P, power, hard one, Q, quiet, yes, yeah, okay, (laughs) we got, and we've got quiet, although God isn't always quiet, R, beautiful, yeah, righteous is good, good Carter, S, I didn't even hear. I heard a savior. Yep. T. Oh, good. Teacher's good. Truth. Yes. Wonderful. Good job. You. Perfect, universal, unfailing, anything that begins with a U. V. Yes. Oh, we've got some. Good names here. W. Wonderful, worthy, wise. Now, X we have to be a little creative with. Excellent, yes. (laughs) Exquisite. And what? Yeah, the cross. Good. Why? Beautiful. Z. Zealous. Wow. Give yourself a hand for that. (laughs) So these are all characteristics that we use for God. We don't just say, you, hi God. We can say, powerful God, mighty God everlasting God. But what God really wants is to hear you say his name, to hear you call upon him in prayer and in worship. 
So whichever of these terms you use for God, use them as what God wants to hear, just as your parents want to talk with you. God wants to talk with you. So pray with me. Oh, loving God, whether we call you admirable or caring or divine, whatever names we use for you, we call upon you in worship. And we thank you for being there. We thank you for calling us your beloved, your children. And we thank you that you are such a part of our life. So help these students now to remember to call upon you as a frequent daily part of their lives, that they may know you better and that you may hear from them personally. Bless these students, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.
every song we could ever sing. Worthy of every praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. So we sing.
If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Together, let us confess our transgressions against God and neighbor. Merciful God, in your gracious presence, we confess our sin and the sin of this world. Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are a people divided against ourselves as we cling to the values of a broken world. The profit and pleasures we pursue lay waste to the land and pollute the seas. The fears and jealousies that we harbor set neighbor against neighbor and nation against nation. We abuse your good gifts of imagination and freedom, of intellect and reason, and have turned them into bonds of oppression. Lord, have mercy on us. Heal and forgive us. Set us free to serve you in the world as agents of your reconciling love in Jesus Christ. Amen. God is slow to anger and full of compassion. He forgives all who humbly repent and put their trust in his Son, our Lord and Savior. Hear the good news. There is no condemnation for those who believe in Jesus Christ. For in him we move and live and have our being. In him we are forgiven. Thanks be to God.
beautiful. Well, we've, we've talked in the past how uh, when Jesus spoke to people, he sat on the hillside. And today, since I have a message from Paul, it concerns Paul patterning himself after Jesus. So today, I'm patterning myself after Jesus and Paul, and I'm sitting. So. <laughs> The Apostle Paul had written to the church in Philippi for several reasons. He is imprisoned and in chains, waiting to hear if or when he will be executed. Nonetheless, he writes to the church. He is proud of the way the church has grown and in their work of spreading the gospel. He has received communication from them along with support funding, so he wanted to acknowledge and thank them. He wants to help them to deal with a church issue that has been troubling them. He knows he will not be with them in the future, so he wants to encourage and empower them to continue the work that he has begun. This message is the same for today as it was 2,000 years ago. So I'm reading this morning from Philippians chapter 4. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God. Pray with me. Living God, by the power of your spirit, help us to hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Paul begins his letter addressing the issue at hand, 
the dissension between two of his faithful supporters, Euodia and Synthache, which is affecting the church. His affection for this particular church is seen as he addresses them as, my beloved, my joy. We know only that these two were believers and that they were arguing. We do not know what their problem was, but discord and conflict happen even in churches. Can you believe that? Yes. We see various opinions expressed even here. Look at the Presbyterian Church and how many times it has had splits and formed a new version of the denomination. The last one, not that many years ago. Paul wants them to figuratively get in the same boat and row in the same direction. Someone wanted to find out what things caused conflicts in churches. So they sent out a survey and asked. Some of the responses included the temperature in the sanctuary, too hot or too cold, the volume of the music, the color of the carpet. Remember when the carpet in here was orange and people could not do weddings here because orange clashed with their color scheme. And that really happened. Um, Some did not like the order of worship, the color of the walls, uh, communion that served cranberry juice instead of grape juice, and even the brand of coffee served during the coffee hour. All distractions from what the church should be doing in a lost and dysfunctional world. A poet once wrote, To dwell in love with saints above, oh, that will be glory. But to dwell with saints we know, oh, that's a different story. (laughs) Conflicts happen. Paul enlists help from the whole congregation to work together to bring these two women back to their former relationship. Psalm 133 addressed this issue. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. What is sad is that even as Christians, we let petty issues divide us. There is a world out there in need of Jesus and we argue about the color of the carpet. But as a church, we are family. We need to work together, forgive each other, love one another. That was what Paul wanted the Philippian church to do when he asked, help these women. When he appeals to them to have the same mind in the Lord, he is encouraging them to behave as Christ would, always the best approach. Paul's next words are very familiar to us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Words written by a man in chains, in prison, facing execution. Words written to church people, many of whom were poor, 
slaves lacking security. We are all human. We all face challenging situations, hardships, grief, and pain. We've been through a pandemic. Prices for everyday items are sky high. The world around us is full of tragedy, and we may be dealing with major health issues. But the words don't say, rejoice in the Lord when things are going well. It says rejoice always, whether we are happy, sad, angry, confused, or just tired. And for emphasis, he repeats it. We have to be told to rejoice because we resist joy when times are hard. But Paul is saying rejoice in the Lord, not your circumstances. He wanted them to hear these words from someone who was not in the best of circumstances and was still rejoicing. Christianity doesn't excuse us from the hardships of life. So how does one rejoice when things are not going well? It is easy to talk about rejoicing in the Lord when all is well, when you are healthy and employed and your family is happy. But that is circumstantial. When we are seeking our joy in earthly things, we all experience struggle and strain, times when joy can be hard to feel. In Ecclesiastes, we read, there is a time to weep and a time to laugh. Even Jesus wept. There are plenty of situations where it is appropriate to be sad about loss. What then? Paul says to rejoice always. Our true joy is not based on what we have or are experiencing at the moment. Whatever is happening, God will not fail. In God's love, we find a joy that endures. But what does it mean to rejoice? Very simply, such joy does not come from external and fleeting circumstances. True joy is not to be confused with happiness. Focusing on Jesus is the key to joy at all times. Paul does not advocate superficial cheerfulness but a deep joy in what God has done in Jesus Christ and continues to do. Rather than base feelings on an emotional experience, he is thinking of deep and lasting joy that comes through a relationship with Christ. The word joy is used 219 times in the Bible. Psalm tells us, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, so that those who love your name may exult in you. Exult. Rejoice in the Lord. 
is what Paul is saying. Rejoice in the Lord who never changes, who forgives, and who will never leave or forsake us. That is cause to rejoice at all times. Joy can be found in adversity because we can rejoice in peace and a hopeful perspective of life. He reminds them that the Lord is near. And the unspoken words are that he has that joy, even in his desperate situation. When I was in seminary, Hebrew was my most difficult class. One class, we were suddenly given a quiz. And even though I put in many hours of study every day, I did not do as well as I hoped. My disappointment was obvious on my face. And one of the other students came over to me and gently asked, Are you letting that steal your joy? Uh, Yes, I was. I was focused on a quiz, not on God. He goes on to explain where that joy and peace comes from. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. Do not worry about anything. Worry is translated as being anxious or troubled. Can you admit to ever having these feelings? I have. When Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, he asked his followers, I tell you, What you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Reminding them, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? No, we can't. It may even do the opposite. Cast all your care upon the Lord. This is a hard request. We tend to worry about many things. It is easier to say don't worry when things are well. Irma Bombeck once said, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do but never gets you anywhere. His solution is twofold. Pray. And not only pray, but pray with thanksgiving or gratitude, taking it all to the God who is the reason we rejoice. Paul had written to the Romans, Rejoice in the Lord. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. All too often, our prayers are a shopping list of requests. Our anxieties blind us to the blessings we have received. Gratitude to God opens us up to the peace of God we need to weather the storm. We are seeking joy 
that is able to go through joyless times, whatever the concern. Overdue bills, health issues, family unrest. Struggles are not a reason to stop trusting God. Paul is not expecting a Pollyanna attitude or telling them to just keep a stiff upper lip. Persevere in prayer, but not through gritted teeth. We can persevere because the Lord is near. Paul's secret is that he is relying on God. Weathering the storms of life, we must look for his presence, listen for his presence, and experience his peace, and then share the good news. The result? Another one of those if and then phrases I like so well. What more can we ask for? It doesn't promise a solution or that God will fix everything, but that you do not face these trials alone. Whenever you face those times of anxiety, remember that the God of peace is with you and take your concerns to God, remembering that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. God's shalom is peace and fullness beyond words. Nothing is too big or too small to take to the Lord in prayer. The road we travel may be difficult at times, but God is present with loving kindness, and we will make it. There's a little prayer that I've heard. You may have heard it and said it. It goes, So far today, God, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been grumpy or nasty or selfish. I'm really glad of that. But in a few minutes, God, I am going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot of help. (laughs) Take your concerns to the Lord. Paul then goes on to emphasize admirable qualities for those who know the peace of God. In verse 5, he asks them to think on these things, which means to put them into practice or keep on doing what they have learned and received. Consideration of one another is to be shown to everyone through a gentleness of spirit. He asks them to live in harmony with others in the church and to work together with mutual forbearance, sometimes just tolerating each other with the help of God, and always to think on, focus, put into practice his words. What we focus on will ultimately determine our behaviors. Paul's list includes being true, which includes being reliable, faithful, or real, being honorable, which is dignified, principled, being just, upright, conforming to God's law, pure, 
holy, ethically clean. He adds pleasing or lovely, whatever is attractive or beautiful in God's eyes and worthy of praise by God. It's quite a list. Yet each word is a description of Jesus. Another way he is telling us to be like Jesus. Throughout this passage, Paul presents himself as the example for them to follow, just as he had had Jesus Christ as his example, and patterned his belief and behaviors after him. Paul is joyful. Whether he lives or dies, is hungry or fed, is safe or in danger, always. This passage we have been studying was written for the Philippians and for us also to follow, using such messages as our example and our direction. After 2,000 years, the advice is still relevant. Let our lives be a proclamation of the gospel, displaying the character of Christ. There's a quote that I've read that says simply, you may be the only Bible your neighbor reads. We want to live so that people look at us and say, in that person, I can see something of what it means to be like Christ. Do we dare to claim to be examples to others of how to live like Christ? A familiar quote from Teresa of Avila reminds us, Christ has no body on earth but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ looks compassion into the world. Yours are the feet with which Christ walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which Christ blesses the world. Christ is the blueprint for Christian behavior. The Apostle Paul modeled himself after Christ, presenting the pattern for this behavior. And the process continues, just as we have been witnesses to those with Christian behavior and learned from their examples, we are called to demonstrate that behavior and reflect God's love wherever we go and to whomever we meet and to be an example to others. What Paul wants the Philippians to do is to keep it up to rejoice always in spite of circumstances because of who they are in Christ. And the hard one, not to worry, but to take all of their concerns to God. Paul wrote to the Galatians, so let us not grow weary in doing what is right. These behaviors that define them as Christians are to be practiced every day. So they become a very part of their and our human makeup. And the peace that passes all understanding, the peace of God 
will be with them in all they do. We too are asked to follow these directions in the Philippians. Remember the things they learned, the truth and sound doctrine we are taught, God's word we have received, the observation witnessed of people of faith, and the behaviors they modeled, and to practice these things. Paul spoke it outright to the Corinthians. I appeal to you then, be imitators of me. And that is the focus of this message today. You have seen and heard and learned. Now go and do, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Pray with me. We give thanks and rejoice for the Lord our God who is present with us through all the events of our lives. Thank you for Paul and the Philippians and their examples of Christ. Help us to have that same mind of Christ. Guide us to be witnesses of Christ through our lives and our actions. Today we take our worries and concerns to you. With grateful hearts, release them to the one who give us the peace we seek. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now we will join together in singing Sweet Hour of Prayer, which is what we've been talking about. So would you please stand?
Those are definitely words to remember. You can be seated. And now we come to the time in our worship when we give back to God. And Paul, as the leader of that church in Philippi, received help and support from the people in that congregation. So this is our time to give to the work of the church. For those who are listening on the podcast, if you could address your envelope to PCC Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. So our tithes and offerings are now received. Jesus said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, 
and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. There is discord in our world, in our country, in our relationships, perhaps even here in our church and in our homes. Join me as we pray to the triune God in whom there is perfect unity. Let's pray. Holy and merciful God, in you there is no division or discord. In you there is only perfect love and unity. Father, continue to mold us and make us into disciples worthy of being called Christ followers. Guide us to sow seeds of your love in a world that desperately needs you. Father, we continue praying for Ukraine and their citizens. We pray for your protection and provision for Ukrainians and their homeland. Lord, hinder the aggressors, and we pray for a swift end to this war and a return to peace in Ukraine. Father God, we pray for the Afghans affected by the earthquake this week. Lord, make the path straight for international help to access those who need it most. We pray for each one affected by this earthquake and ask that you would comfort them in their grief and provide for their basic needs. Lord, we pray for the citizens of Oslo, Norway, impacted by the terrorist act of gun violence yesterday. How horrifying and devastating. We pray for your provision and mercy. We are weary from the gun violence, O Lord. We pray for your wisdom for a solution. We pray for more love, more kindness, more gentleness, mercy, and grace. It's the only antidote to eradicating hate. Use each one of us to make a difference in this world. So much is in the news this week, from the January 6th hearings to bipartisan gun control to the recent Supreme Court decisions on reproductive and gun rights. Lord, we pray for your wisdom for our leaders, nationally and locally. Right here in our own church family, we have so many prayer needs. Father, we pray for the recent outbreak of COVID. Be with each one as they recuperate and heal. Keep us all safe, especially those whose health is vulnerable. Father, we pray for Gretchen Franklin, who is now under hospice care. Meet her right where she is. May she feel your very presence with her. We pray, too, for your healing hand on Dick Clark, Kay Deer, and Patty Ernest as they continue with their treatments. Give their doctors wisdom and give each one your peace. We pray, too, and lift up Gil Keller and Keith Coslin 
and pray for your healing touch. May they feel the warmth of your loving comfort. And we continue praying as you taught your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please stand and let's join our voices together in our final hymn.
listen to the chorus of that, we can rejoice always because God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. And we will have that peace of God that we seek. So now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you today and every day. Amen.